students. Let's talk about the Odyssey, books 16 and 17, part 2. Potentially, we'll get to 18. Um, basically, I'm going to ask you a few questions of review, and I want you to answer very, very, very quickly in preparation for your oral examinations that are coming up. And then we got to talk about Melanthios. We got to talk about. We have to talk about Melanthios, his ill treatment of this new beggar named Dython. We need to see a poor, poor, poor little doggy, poor little doggy on a little bit of a poop pile. And per <coughs> excuse me, perhaps we will read that together. I'm getting all choked up just thinking about it. Let me take a quick swig of coffee. And then we have to see how the suitors are going to treat. Odysseus. <coughs> if we really move along today, we will get to see a fight between Odysseus in the form of a beggar, as Ithon, against an actual beggar named Arnaeus, often called Eros, because he, like Iris, runs messengers for people. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Get later. All right. In any case, let's get started. Let's get started. What is the name of the character who takes Odysseus in not knowing who he is when Odysseus first gets to Ithaca? Yes. You might. Eumaeus is known to be a what sort of herdsman? A swine herd, which means what are swine? Pigs. Very good. What is it that attempts to attack Odysseus as he approaches Eumaeus? Yes. His dogs. His dogs. What does Eumaeus throw at his dogs to keep them from getting Odysseus? Yes. A rock. A rock. Rocks. Yes. What does that mean that Eumaeus honors? Yes. The Zinnia. The this is very important. Because the person he sees in front of him looks like a beggar. What is he actually? Who is he actually? Yes. Odysseus. This illustrates which theme which we've been thinking about the entire Odyssey. Yes. Nothing is as it seems. So you better act right sometimes or all the time. Because you don't know what's happening around you necessarily. You don't even know the people who are around you. And I think that's a very interesting and strong thing to say. Most people, most of your kindergarten teachers probably said, treat people as you would like to be treated. And that's good advice, I would say, because humans do imitate each other. That's why you behave in the way you do. That's why you speak in the way you do. That's why you dress in the way you do. That's why you play the same games as each other and even sit in the ways that you do. But just sort of a poignant thing to say is, do you ever know what somebody else is going through? No, no. And so it's important not just to be nice, but to act fairly towards people because you never know where they're coming from and what's going on in their lives unless you ask them or talk to them or perceive them. And even then, you don't necessarily know. So, quick review. Odysseus and Eumaeus ran into Melanthios at the altar of the nymphs. Melanthios, in typical fashion, heaved insults at Eumaeus and Odysseus and then had the impertinence to kick the beggar who is actually Odysseus in the hip. Something I want you to note, and this will happen not once but twice, is when Odysseus gets kicked in the hip, let me recall from your reading, does he back up? Ow! Ah! 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 Or does he just stand there as if nothing even happened? He just stands there. He's very strong. Eumaeus, or Melanthios, is not particularly strong. And he even, he has a thought. A thought very similar to a thought he had when Eurylochus first attacked his character on Circe's island of Aya. He thinks, do I just end this guy's life right now? Or do I do as Athena told me and take this insult? Just move past it. And what choice is he going to have to make, hard as it will be on his heart? Yes? Yes. 
has to hold it in. And is that a part of living in a sophisticated society? That somebody disrespects you or punks you, and you've got to take it and be cool and not lash out because the consequences would be dire if you did. Does that happen? Of course, we ask that of you every day. Ask that of you every day. And is it easy at all times to keep cool? Not at all. So why are we learning about this in this text from almost 3,000 years ago? What has never been easy for humans? Keep cool when people disrespect them, especially in their own house. All right. All right, because where is your house as Americans? Where is your home? All of America. And what happens if you lash out against those when they accidentally insult you or even intentionally insult you, potentially? Do you hurt your house or help it? Hurt it, right. And potentially even yourself, because your home is where you are. In any case, let's move on. Melanthius heaved insults at Eumaeus and Odysseus and then kicked Odysseus in the hip. Bam! How disrespectful. I mean, you just want to think about that. It's not even Melanthios's home that Odysseus is being taken to. And Melanthios is a, himself a slave herdsman of Odysseus. And so he's just picking on someone who he thinks is strong or someone who is weaker than he is. Weaker than he is. It sort of makes us turn up our nose in disgust. He's like a typical what? Bully. Bully. Exactly. He's not even... <laughs> he's nobody himself. And yet, he wants to strike out at this lesser nobody. Well, we'll see who nobody really is, won't we? In any case, he then exits after expressing his hope. <laughs> so he adds on, he adds on to it. My goodness, we meet Melanthios, he throws insults at us, he kicks Odysseus in the hip, and then as he leaves, he says, and I hope uh, Telemachus dies too. <laughs> How do we feel for this man? I mean, look at, look at your face right now. You're aghast. She was just looking like, what does that face mean? That, are you appalled by the behavior of Melanthios? Oh, don't you worry, don't you worry. He will get his. He will get his. He then leaves and enters Odysseus's house and sits next to Eurymachus, his favorite. So apparently he thinks that he can say whatever he wants because he's around the big dog right now. So he's like a yapping small dog that because it's next to a big dog, thinks that it's a what? A big dog itself. Exactly. All right, Odysseus and Eumaeus arrive at Odysseus's house. A feast of sorts is happening. I don't know what they're feasting to. They haven't done anything. And they also don't even sacrifice and pray to the gods while occupying another man's house and eating his food while trying to court his wife and attempting to kill his son while not taking care of his dog. Yes, question? Would be kind of ironic because compared to Odysseus, they're all small dogs? Ooh, that is an excellent question. Would that not be ironic? Because compared to Odysseus, they are all small dogs. You know what? I'm not going to answer that question yet. I will laugh at that question in a way that indicates assent and affirmation. But they will soon realize just how small a dogs they are. You know, in fact, I wouldn't even call them dogs. I'd call them more ticks or fleas on a dog. So excellent. You're thinking along the right lines. So a feast of sorts is happening. Eumaeus then warns Odysseus to be careful and to watch out for flying objects. My goodness. You're a guest in someone's home. And they throw things at you. Are they a very good host, a very hospitable host, a very respectful host? You no, know, throwing something at someone else is about the most disrespectful thing you can do. In fact, in our society, you've probably never seen this sort of thing. What is it that is done to poor performers on a stage that you pay money to see? Yes. You throw a tomato at them, right? Exactly. You throw fruits at them. You say, ah, why did I even pay for this garbage? You're terrible. 
They're terrible, and then you have the idea of a shepherd's crook pulling them off. Anybody ever seen that in a cartoon before? Somebody's like doing a little act, and it's terrible, and a crook pulls them off. Right, right. It's very disrespectful to throw things at people, and that's why we say that you throw what's at people that are intangible, not touchable, not objects, yes? Insults, that's exactly right. You hurl or heave insults at people. Something interesting that neuroscientists have figured out is that emotional pain activates similar brain regions as physical pain as well, indicating that when you feel bad emotionally, are you literally feeling bad? Yeah, you're actually feeling pain, it's true. And some neuroscientists now believe that depression is actually a state of pain. The levels of serotonin, which govern your mood, go down, which makes your mood go down and makes you feel worse. You actually literally feel worse. Interesting, but speaking of depression, let me teach you something very depressing here. Let's get to a very sad part of this. Because apparently when you do not keep things in good order, they fall into what? Disorder. It is a natural phenomenon of the universe. There is a physical law. You will learn about this in junior year when you are in physics. It is called entropy. Entropy is a law that means once a system is made or anything, your body, for instance, what starts to happen to it? It starts to degrade, degenerate, fall apart. Well, as humans, what is it? that you have to do in order to keep things from falling apart that are always naturally falling apart anyway. You have to, what is it? Maintain or upkeep them. Yes, and so here is a sad symbol for what Ithaca has become. It is the dog Argos. So as Eumaeus and Odysseus approach the house of, oh yes, get ready to feel some emotions. Approach the house of Odysseus. Odysseus's sharp eyes catch a dog, a hunting-looking dog, on a mound of hardened feces with flies flying about him and ticks or fleas sucking the blood off of him. I want you to think about this as a symbol. Who or what does Argos here symbolize that is having the blood sucked out of it and is weakened due to this. Odysseus is home or Ithaca. What then would the fleas or ticks, both blood-sucking parasites, be? Yes? Visitors. Who then has not been, and who has not been treating the, ooh, this is a tough one actually. Who has not been treating the dog well as its master has been away? Who is responsible for him? Yes? The people, and specifically which people? There are 12 of whom have not been quite acting right lately, yes? The serving, the serving women. When the master is away. Have you heard the expression, it's the cliche, when the master's away, or when the cat's away, the mice will play. Do you know what that expression means? It means when the appropriate authority is not in a place, how do the people who are not the lords of the place act? Right or wrong? wrong? Wrong. And that's how people have been acting here. Do I have another? Oh, no. Oh, I don't have another picture of this. I'm sorry that I don't. Let's talk about it. Argos is on a pile of ox dung and is covered in do dog ticks. In fact, I do want to open this up and take a look at it. I'll find this while you're writing this. A couple facts about him. He was Odysseus's prized hunting dog. But Odysseus actually never got, and this is very sad, he was so young, I mean obviously he's about 20 now, so he's very, very, very old, 
extraordinarily old for a dog, but Odysseus never even got a chance to hunt with him. So it's like his life has been a total what? Waste. Waste, yes. And gosh, is there anything that hits your emotions more than waste like that? Oh, I mean, we don't even like to waste any food on our plate, but the life of a fine dog? What about the potential of a person? What about the potential of a people? Hmm. Hmm. And let me read this to you now, just because I think there is great pathos. I'll start. This is book 17, line 290. Now, as these two were conversing thus with each other, a dog who was lying there raised his head and ears. This was Argos, patient-hearted Odysseus's dog, whom he himself raised, but got no joy of him, since before that he went to sacred Ilion. In the days before the young men had taken him out to follow goats of the wild and deer and rabbits, can you imagine what a dog would be doing if it's all a goat or a deer or some rabbits? It'd be chasing around, wagging his tail, doing what as well? Having the best time of its life. Anybody ever seen a dog chase a squirrel? It's about like it's the happiest a dog has ever been. And when the Joker talks about that in the Dark Knight, that you know dogs chase cars for the love of chasing cars, they wouldn't even know what to do if they caught the car, and he wouldn't even know what to do if he got what he wanted. The thing he seems to want is the chase, which is very interesting because potentially that's true for humans as well. I want you to think about that in your your deepest thoughts. In any case, but now he had been put aside with his master absent. And lay deep on the, or lay on the deep pile of the dung, of dung, from the mules and oxen which lay abundant before the gates, so that the servants of Odysseus could take it to his great estate for manuring. There the dog Argos lay in the dung, all covered with dog ticks. Now, as he perceived that Odysseus had come close to him, he wagged his tail and laid both his ears back. Only he now no longer had the strength to move any closer to his master, who, watching him from a distance without Eumaeus noticing, secretly wiped a tear away and said to him, Eumaeus, this is amazing. This dog that lies on the dunghill, the shape of him is splendid, and yet I cannot be certain whether he had the running speed to go with this beauty or is just one of the kind of table dog that gentlemen keep. And it is only for show that their masters care for them. This is very similar to what claim Odysseus made about Euryalus, uh, the friend of Laodamus, right? That he's attractive, he's a handsome guy, but not a very smart guy. Then Oswine heard Eumaeus, who said to him in answer, this is true, this, it is true, hmm, excuse me, reading today. This, it is too true is the dog of a man who perished far away. If he were such in build and performance as when Odysseus left him behind when he went to Ilion, soon you would see his speed and strength for yourself. Never could any wild animal in the profound depths of the forest escape once he pursued. He was very clever at tracking, but now he is in bad times. His master, far from his country, has perished, and the women are careless and do not look after him. And serving men, when their masters are not no longer about to make them work are no longer willing to do their rightful duties. For Zeus of the wide brows takes away one half of the virtue from a man once the day of slavery closes upon him. So he spoke and went into the strongly settled palace and strode on to the great hall and the haughty suitors. But the doom of dark death now closed over the dog Argus, 
when after 19 years had gone by, he had seen Odysseus. And so the dog stays alive just long enough to see his master wag his tail and then die. While Odysseus secretly, furtively does what? Wipes a tear off his face. Again, we see the idea of hiding one's emotion to keep people from knowing who one is. We saw Telemachus do that when he heard a story about Odysseus. We saw Odysseus himself do that when he heard the song of Demodocus about himself and Achilleus coming to conflict with each other. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. And so this is the sadness that Odysseus must feel not only seeing his dog, but seeing what is well. His home and what it has become without him. And what it has become without him. Very good. So Odysseus enters the palace with Eumaeus. Think things are going to get better or worse? Worse. Yes, 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 yes. We have many expressions for that. The time is, or the light is darkest before the dawn. Take two, or take one step forward, take two steps backwards. Things always get what before they get what? Worse before they get better because you have to make changes. And so Odysseus enters the palace with Eumaeus. First thing that happens is that Telemachus, lord of the palace, potentially lord, potentially Penelope is still lord, potentially the suitors are lord, is sort of in flux. And when you don't know who the boss is, do things, do people stay in line or do people act out? They act out. Telemachus commands Eumaeus, or rather Telemachus notices and brings this new ithon, this new beggar food. Telemachus then commands Eumaeus to tell Odysseus, that he may beg from the assembled suitors. The reason why Odysseus is going to beg from the assembled suitors is to test out their character. You will see who is kind, who is not kind, who will offer him food. And this is a very interesting test because obviously whose food is it that he is going to be asking for? His own. And so if the suitors deny him food from their plates, they are denying food that they, that they own or that somebody else's own owns, and they're not even willing to give that away to a beggar. Yeah, they're not even willing to give away the wealth of someone else to someone who is in need, which tells you what about them? Low character or high character? Low character, of course. Yes, very much so. And so Odysseus learns which suitors are fair and unfair, though that said, none will be spared. None will be spared. Moving forward. <clears throat> Melanthios then, sitting next to Eurymachus, Notices Odysseus. And even though I have an Odysseus here, what is the name by which these men will know him as a beggar? What is his beggar name that he will give to them? Ithon, very good, which ironically means shining, as if it should be clear to them who he actually is. Fools that they are, though, they do not know. Antinous scolds Eumaeus, saying, Why do you bring this worthless beggar to our midst just to eat up our food? Every day, and Eumaeus has a very fantastic response. <laughs> he says, Who are you to criticize somebody eating the food of someone else, Antinous? No one has benefited from Odysseus's generosity more than you have. How, in what way are you any different from this beggar, except for the fact that you have been eating Odysseus's food, and you have received more generosity from him. And literally, we know that even his father received generosity from Odysseus, having a blood price paid off by Odysseus himself. So, I think that's a fair point by Eumaeus. In fact, line 404, you are, or excuse me, 
Telemachus says not even to address Antinous. He says, don't even talk to him. Ooh, ooh, how bold, how manly. You are more eager to eat than to give to another, he says. He says, you're not a very charitable individual. And it wouldn't even be very charitable of you in the first place to give your food to this man because it's not even your food to give. And so it's not even really your food to eat. And so you're a punk, is what he's saying. Antinous then says, I'll give some food. I'll give some food just to disprove Telemachus. I wonder if he does disprove Telemachus through doing this. If somebody has to chastise you before you give something you naturally should have given, does that improve our idea of you if you give what you should have given in the first place after someone tells you to give it? No, it's like when your mom says, say thank you. Is that the same as just saying thank you without being prompted to say it in the first place? No, no, and it's probably pretty annoying if you were intending to say thank you in the first place. In any case, Odysseus then tests Antinous. And what he says to Antinous is exactly what he says to Euryalus earlier on in the Five Kings. He says, mm, your wits do not match your beauty. You are a lordly-looking, regal man. But you sure do not act like one. It's almost like manners maketh man. Very interesting, very interesting. In any case, Antinous then, not wanting to take any of this from this foul beggar, throws a footstool at Odysseus. That's a big deal. Because if he throws a footstool at Odysseus and it hits Odysseus and it harms Odysseus, he has harmed a stranger. If you harm a stranger, you have trespassed upon the what? The Zinnia. Who is likely to punish you? The suitors will not like the fact that Antinous gives in to his anger. Antinous is quite opposite from whom? Odysseus. Antinous, all you have to do is say one or two things to him to get under his what? Skin. And then he lashes out. But Odysseus, how much does he have to deal with and take and not lash out from? A lot. One of his slaves kicks him. He gets a footstool thrown at him for asking for his own food. He sees his dog, ill-kept, die in front of him. I want you to think about how much you love your animals, dogs and cats. That's something you would want to punish people for? Absolutely. And not to mention the fact that he knows the suitors tried to kill his own son and are trying to take his wife. How much emotion do you think he's feeling right now? A lot, right? It's like nothing is going right, but it's going to go right. Who's going to have to set things right? Who needs to keep this cool? Odysseus. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Here's a pretty good picture. Oh, there's another funny picture of Antinous. I actually call it the funny version. That's pretty funny. All right, in any case, don't worry about writing this. Okay. After the footstool is thrown into Odysseus, the other suitors get spooked by such a brazen offense. It's sort of like when somebody says something very arrogant these days, and they walk outside, and you're like, don't walk near them because, you know, you might smell sulfur in the air and see a lightning bolt come down. Ugh. And so in any case, Penelope hears of this, of this mistreatment of a guest in her own home, and she prays to Apollo to strike down this man. And even her nurse, and know the difference between her nurse, your enemy, and Odysseus and Telemachus' nurse, Eurycleia, they sound very similar, they're not the same person, prays for the death of the suitors. What do the good people in Odysseus' house want to happen to the suitors? All of them. They want death for them. That shows you just how serious this occupation is in their home. They're not asking for them to leave. They're not asking for them to get a little bit sick or just to get a slap on the wrist. They're asking for them to get hit by thunderbolts and die. And, and uh... They sort of will. They sort of will. 
All right, good. So this will be the last slide of the day because we only have a minute left. So Penelope commands Eumaeus to bring the mistreated beggar to her. Ooh. This means that who will get a chance to talk to whom for the first time in about 20 years? Odysseus to Penelope. And this is a very dangerous situation for Odysseus because Penelope is at least as smart as Helen, which means she's very perspicacious, very good at seeing through disguises. In fact, has Helen at some time seen through a beggar disguise of Odysseus before? Yes. So what might we expect Penelope to be capable of doing? Seeing through the disguise of Odysseus, who is actually her what? Husband. Yes. And so Eumaeus, says he reports to, um, to Penelope, he says some interesting things to her that might pique her interest and make her think suspicious thoughts about this beggar from Crete. He says, this is an enchanting singer, a teller of tales, who met or saw Odysseus near Thesprosia, 17, 513 to 528. Enchanting singer, what is it we know about Odysseus? He is greatest of what's in the world? Storytellers. And so we'll pick this up, well... Thursday, because we have seminar tomorrow.